How are we doing this morning? I'm glad we're awake. I'm glad we are alive. Um, we're starting a collection of talks uh, leading up to Easter, um, and it's going to be called Symphony. And I just believe that there's something about the rhythm of grace and the heartbeat of God for humanity and for people. And as a church, one of the things that this is going to lead us up to is Easter. Everybody say Easter. Easter is going to be the culmination of just as much celebration as possible about resurrection. And then the following week after, um, we're gonna do baptism. So if you're interested in baptism, you can click that, or not click that, I'm so techno technologically savvy. You can actually put a checkbox in the mark on a card and say, I'm interested in baptism. We'll reach out to you. We'll tell you everything that you need to know. You'll actually get uh, some teaching on what does baptism mean. If you have not subscribed to our newsletter, we talk about all these things. You can do that um, uh, via MailChimp, you can do that on our website. And so we just want you to know like, uh, that Easter is gonna be amazing, uh, that there will not be enough seats in the house. And so what we encourage you, if you're a regular attender, give your seat up for somebody else and we'll move you to the back, we'll move them to the front. If you have people that you're inviting, Easter is the most attended Sunday, Easter and Christmas. We live in Texas. Um, Easter and Christmas are the most attended Sundays of the year, and we want those days to be wonderful. We want them to be amazing. We wanna give people an opportunity to respond to Jesus, amen? And so this is the opportunity for you to be inviting your friends, inviting your family, and then to also be able to invite your friends and your family to baptism the following week. We'll do it right here on the backside of our building. It's gonna be an incredible, an incredible time of celebration. And just so you know about generosity, um, one of my friends who's a pastor in Arkansas, I called him a while back, I said, hey, um, I need uh, to know where you got your portable baptismal from. And he said, do you want one? And I was like, yeah. He goes, cool, what's your address? I'll send you one. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, I was like, I'll buy one. He goes, okay. And then I was like, no, 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 I'll take one. Like, if you wanna give one, he's like, what's your address? And I'll send you one. And I was like, okay, so just so you know, there are, the, the ark provides us with community and with other pastors, and it's the organization that we're a part of. And it's so cool to know that two days later, I got to my front door, and there's a portable baptismal sitting on my front porch, and I can't wait for us to get the opportunity to baptize friends, family, relatives, people, and all those things in that. So um, we can thank my dear friend Brad Hampton at Soco Church in Northwest Arkansas, and their church is so generous, they said, hey, we wanna serve you guys, and they purchased a baptism for us. So that like, man, I, I was like, dude, you can't be doing that kind of stuff. If I'm driving, I'll start crying, and that's not good in Fort Worth traffic because people are crazy anyway. <laughs> and so I, was like, so I was glad I was, you know, not in a, in a crazy spot. I was in a roundabout, which is kind of crazy, which is everywhere in Fort Worth. But if you have a Bible, go to the book of Ephesians. That's in the New Testament. Um, if you have a phone, you can go there as well. Uh, if you don't have either or, uh, the scripture will be up on the screen, but the book of Ephesians is a big picture view of Jesus, the church, our place in the church, and it has, and how to reflect Christ's love in our own relationship. So this is a, a big picture idea, a little bit about Ephesians. Paul writes this letter in prison. And he writes it to a, a group of people. It's actually what we call a circular letter. So it doesn't just stop in Ephesus. It goes around to several churches, but was titled to them. And they pass it around and they read it. And he's helping the church out. And this is what he says in Ephesians chapter two. Um, we're gonna start in verse 
8. It says, for you have been saved by grace. Everybody say grace. grace. You've been saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God. So you have been saved by grace. You didn't earn it. You didn't work your way to God. You didn't come to church more. You didn't come to church less. You didn't pay God to get you into heaven. Like, you did not earn it. Salvation is a free gift. And he says, it's not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. And then he says, it's not from works so that no one can boast. And he says, for we are his workmanship. Everybody say workmanship. You're his workmanship. You are created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Uh, I pray that we understand and we get this mindset of grace. God, we don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We are so grateful that you graced us with the ability to be here today. And God, we just ask that you would move in our lives and touch our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So anybody like, um, anybody love music in here? I love music. And when I was in college, I had to take um, a class about classical music. And I learned a lot about really cool music. I loved listening to Bach and Beethoven and all these guys who were like geniuses when it came to music. It was called music appreciation. And so I developed an appreciation for music. And it actually, when I would study for tests, which wasn't very often in college, um, I, I would actually play uh, symphonic music behind me because it helped me. It soothed me. And oftentimes, you'll see this even in our society today. Uh, if you are pregnant, sometimes we put headphones on your belly for your baby to hear all the great music. And if you're a rocker, you're like, my kid's got to know that ACDC is the jam. Like you're put, and if you're like a rapper, um, you'll go old school and you're like Nelly, yeah, let's go. I know that went way back, but hey. It's like whoever you are, you want your kids to love the things that you love. And it's so fun. You're, you're always excited about those types of things. Um, but symphonies were something that really stuck out to me because symphonies were put together by one person but orchestrated by many people. And so you had what they called a conductor. Anybody, anybody ever seen like a symphonic band? There's a guy that stands in the front. He's got this little bitty, uh, you know, wand, we'll call it. And he's doing this and he's setting tempo and he's setting pace and he's saying, you're gonna go there and you're gonna go here. And it's like, oh, oh, oh. And like everybody's like playing their instrument, everybody's playing their tune, and sometimes it'll be like, like he's trying to get, the, get them up a little bit more, and he's like talking to the band, he's talking to everybody, and what I believe about this series is that we're going to give you a big picture of our church, of us moving forward, and of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, and a symphony is somewhere between 30 and 90 different instruments, strings, Woodwinds, brass, percussion, everything kind of comes together. And I got on a YouTube trail the other day when I was doing research, and Kanye has this thing called Sunday morning services out in the middle of a field. 
And it's like a choir and he's got a band and he's got all this stuff. And I'm like, this is dope. Like everybody is breaking it down. And he's like over here talking to these people. And he's just like a G. It was like he was a conductor of all of these people. And I pray that as a church, that our conductor is not me, but that it's Jesus. And I pray that at the end of the day, that we're not so caught up in all the things that I say, but we're so caught up in the way that we should live for Jesus. This is not about me. This is not about uh, this facility or this building. This is always and forever will be a church gathering, symphonically praising and declaring the name of Jesus. Because everybody has a role to play in that. Some of you guys are like, I don't like music. That's cool. You can play the background. Lecrae has a great song called I Can Play the Background. You should check it out. Um, like you could, you could do all kinds of things. Everybody has a role in the church. Now, some of you, you're like, I got, uh, like if you are a, a person that's got rhythm, in my house, that's my daughter, okay? Um, she loves to dance. And when we turn a song on, she just starts breaking it down. Maybe you've ever, you ever seen Hitch, the movie Hitch? Maybe you're like this, okay? Like, we just wanna stay here. And you like slap him in the face, like, don't ever do that again, right? Like, that, maybe that's you. Maybe I, I, I got a little bit of rhythm in me. And Gloria Estefan said, the rhythm is gonna get you, right? No matter what, you walk into a place and a song's playing, you're like, ooh, yeah. yeah. You come into our church, you're like, oh, that's kinda cool. Sometimes we play crazy music. Sometimes it's like, they, sometimes when you walk in, there's a, a song playing. There's a song, you know what, in our church that every time when it gets to one minute that you'll hear, and it signifies that we're getting ready for church, it's on purpose, it's intentional, and everybody comes in and they start clapping, it's going dun, 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 dun. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, Everybody, you get the rhythm, and the rhythm's gonna get you. You go to a concert, everybody's doing this, and you may be the guy that's not doing it the same beat as everybody else, and you're like over here. Or you have those people in church who try to clap. And I, I love you, but you're killing the drummer sometimes. The drummer's trying to play on beat, and you're like, just stop. It's okay, just lift your hands. That'll work too. <laughs> You can praise the Lord with your hands up. The rhythm's gonna get you though. You ever watch So You Think You Can Dance auditions or like those, those, those uh, competitions? I love those things. They, they were crazy uh, back in the days. Was it the Jabberwocky dudes? Like the dudes that had the white masks on? Those guys were crazy. Um, but grace is the rhythm of the story of God. And if you don't get the rhythm, the consistent truth and the beat about God's heart, you won't get God. So if the rhythm's gonna get you, you gotta get in the rhythmic pattern of God. And God has a rhythmic pattern to the way we live life. It's why he gave us a heartbeat. It's rhythmically moving in our bodies. And everything you think about when you think about God gets messed up when you are not symphonically in the rhythm of grace. When you're not in tune, I love it sometimes when, uh, I used to play music, I used to play the guitar some, and when I would put a new string on my guitar, if it wasn't bent, stretched, and tuned, when you went to play it, it would be out of tune. And when you don't understand the rhythm of God's grace, you're out of tune with God. And God has a pattern and a way of doing things. Grace is the rhythm to his story, and here's his story, you ready? The infinite love and mercy 
was shown to humankind, to humanity. The infinite love and mercy was shown to humanity and that the condition of being free of sin through belief in Jesus is also a part of the rhythm of grace. And if you don't understand grace and you'll think it's just a bunch of rules that you have to follow. Anybody ever been to church and you felt like, man, that's a lot of rules. That's a lot of stuff I gotta do. That's a lot of things that I'm not sure I can live up to. But once you get it, once you get grace, grace will get you. And you'll understand like, oh, like, like I can't meet these expectations and that's where grace plays in. Like I can't do this on my own and that's where grace plays in. You know, my experience with God was a pastor's kid. And this is how I was raised and it wasn't wrong. I just realized I couldn't live up to the expectations. And here was one of them. It was when I was a kid and I was eight or seven or six or five, I loved to run like most six, five, eight, seven, one, two, three-year-old kids did. And I would run through the church and there were people who would say, don't run in the church. This is God's house. (laughs) Wow. I can't live up to that expectation, God. I'm seven. Like I want to run. Maybe you were the kind of person that just felt like I I can't live up to rules. Like for me, there was all kinds of rules. And it was don't sleep in church. I was the pastor's kid. I slept in church. (laughs) It was don't do this and don't do that and don't live this way and don't say those things and don't act that way and don't hang out with those people and don't do this. And I, I realized there was a whole lot that I couldn't do. But the reality is that there's a God who is gracious and graceful and loving and merciful. And I realized the older that I got that there, that, you know what, these people were right. There are things that I can't do. I was raised where wearing a hat in the church, no, don't do that. Those are, that's a rule. And as, my, as I got older, I would ask my parents, hey, why can we not wear hats in the church? Well, it's because my mom taught me that or my grandma taught me that. Or my great-great-grandma's uncle's aunt's brother's sister's cousin taught me that. And what happens when we, we come to church and we, we try to live by rules? And the reality is, is that God doesn't want us to live bound and confined to rules. Maybe you've had, um, a ba- maybe you're the kind of person that's like, man, I just can't read my Bible every day. Been there? I, it's tough. Rules, you've got to read your Bible every day. You've got to be in the Word 30 minutes to an hour a day. I'm like, whoa, tired. I'm eight. Like, I don't even know what that word means. Like, that's tough. Maybe you heard things like, you better love your enemies. And that's true. And you hated the person sitting next to you. (laughs) If that's your spouse, I apologize. Maybe you were the person, this is not a bad thing, but maybe you thought that if you did not wear particular clothing, that you weren't close to God. When Jesus wore sandals and a long like tourniquet type deal. Like I think so often we create rules that keep us from God instead of of living in grace that gets us closer to God. And so often we come to church and we're like, I can't do this and I can't do this. Here's what you can do. You can love Jesus freely. You, you cannot earn the gift of salvation. There's not enough rules 
that will keep you from earning. You, you can't do enough good things to get to God. Like you'll, you'll never get to him because here's the deal. God came to you Amen. and you can't get to him because he came to earth. He came to earth. He gave his life. He gave everything so that we could have freedom. Now you may be this person's like, you know what? I cuss a little bit. There's grace for that. Maybe you're this person's like, I, you know, I've had a past with drugs or drinking or alcoholism or these things. There's grace for that. Uh, maybe you're the type of person that obeys the speed limit everywhere, which is nobody in Texas. <laughs> There's grace for you too. It's called the express lane and you pay. <laughs> maybe growing up, you're like, man, like, I, I was growing up like I, this is this and this is I, this is just the way I was raised. Like I, they used to make these things um, beef jerky that looked like a skull can. Okay, and when I played baseball, I was like, dude, I'm I'm doing this because it made me look cool. I could put it in my back pocket. I'm a pastor's kid. Okay, and so like dad's like, what's in your pocket? I'm like beef jerky. Well, that looks like the appearance of evil. And I'm playing baseball, dad. Like nobody's like evil right now. I'm just trying to hit a ball and make sure I round the bases. That's it. Like, we want to win, and that's all I want to do. If you've ever, I, I, I drank IBC root beer. Son, that could be the appearance of evil, or it could be really good root beer. <laughs> Maybe you've, you've heard things like this, and you've heard, like, I shouldn't be materialistic, even though we are. I shouldn't be this way. I shouldn't care what people think. We, we create rules that keep us from God. You know what I've noticed is that when we have to clean ourselves up and be perfect, we end up either becoming religious or we become rebellious. And so often, we are bound to religion. But Jesus did not come for us to be religious. He came to create a relationship with us. It, it's from beginning to end. If you read the book of Genesis, God walked in the garden in relationship with the people that he created. Like it is not meant to be a rule followed, base followed, hammer fist over your head, UFC fight struggle for you to get to God. That's not the way it is. And some of you are here this morning and you are stiff arming God like you are playing a football game because you are thinking, I can't live up to the expectation and that's the reality is that you can't live up to the expectation. And you know why? Because you're a human being. You're human. How many of you have made a mistake in your life? Yes, thank you for all the people who didn't raise their hands. You're liars and you just made a mistake. You lied in church. I just want you to know, as a pastor, I resist, I detest the kind of thinking that says, you have to have all of this together in order to get to God. That does not work. And there is nothing that you can do that will make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do that will make God love you less. I have an eight-year-old child. When she was born, man, love at first sight, I loved her. I still do. Sorry, Cooper, I love you. I love her. And is she gonna disappoint me? Yes. Is she gonna make mistakes? Yes. 
Is she gonna do something wrong at some point in time in her life? She's already done that, yes. <laughs> is she going to infuriate me because she loves her mom way more than she loves me? Yes. <laughs> is she going to mess up? Yeah, but here's one thing I know about Cooper. I'm not gonna love her any less when she messes up. So it's not a rule base to get love from dad. And so often we look at God and we're like, oh God, like I messed up this week. I, I, and I, like I was a kid, it's like when you messed up, you go to the altar, bro. Like if you don't know what that is, like up front, like these things in the church in the old day, they had these things up front you had to go to and pray. And I was like, man, I, I lied at school today. You, you're gonna burn, get down there. Like, like it's just the way it was. Like I was like, oh, I can't live that way, but there is a, a grace to life. So when you mess up, God doesn't love you less. God doesn't love you more. When you get it right, he doesn't love you more. When you get things right in your life, God's not like, oh, yes. When you show up to church, God's not like, oh, man, I love you a whole lot more today than I did last week. He's not doing that. When you show up to church and you're like, oh, man, it's just been a rough week. He's like, man, I love you more for coming. No. When you pray a lot, he's not like, checklist, I got it, thank you. Yo, great me, I am God, thanks for praying to me. You're a much better Christian than most of the people in society today because you pray a lot. When you encourage others, good job. God's not like, oh, you know what, you're gonna get another crown in heaven. You said good words to people. When you get rid of addictions, he's not gonna love you more. When you, uh, when you maintain your virginity until marriage, he's not gonna love you more. I encourage that. But he's not gonna love you more or less if you do either or. God doesn't love you any more now than he did yesterday. And the truth of the matter is, is that if we go back to scripture and we look at the Old Testament, that there were 600 rules that the people had to follow. Um, here's one of them. Do not make a bald, bald spot in mourning. So when you cry, don't make a bald spot. There's a rule. This is what helped them get closer to God. Do not withhold food, clothing, and sexual relations from your wife. Part of it. Do not eat weasel, rat, lizard, gecko, or chameleon. Leviticus 11, 29, 30, okay? <laughs> Do not eat fat or blood. I live in Texas. Everybody eats steak, all right? Do not burn honey or yeast on the altar. Do not have sex with your mom, your sister, your daughter, your daughter-in-law, your aunt, your grandchild, or any other animals. <laughs> These are all in the Bible. I'm not making this up. But then it gets more difficult. So they made up more rules. Men must not shave their hair off the sides of their head or shave their heads with a razor. It's like, now that wouldn't work because like there's lots of dudes that shave the side of their head with a part right here and then they do this little come over thing. Those guys are dope. Like I love those guys. There's some people who have to shave their head or don't because they don't have any hair anymore. Like I'm close and I'm getting there. If you make a vow, you must follow through with it. How many of you have ever broken a vow? You're like, I'll be there. Oh man, I didn't make it. Something came up. Do not gossip. Do not hold a grudge. Do not take revenge. Respect your father and your mother. Those are true. You should do those things, okay? <laughs> Respect your parents. 
To get right with God, they had to make animal sacrifices back in that day. So it's like, hey, bro, can you bring that goat here? Today I cussed at somebody. We need to go ahead and clean that, cut it. We're gonna sprinkle some blood over here. We're gonna do that and it's gonna get us closer to God. That's how they lived. And it wasn't very gracious. It was like, ah, I'm scared of Jesus. I'm scared of God because if I do the wrong thing, I could wind up in trouble. The Bible says in Romans that God set the law up in history so that it would be clear that humankind doesn't have what it takes to be perfect. You don't. You don't have what it takes to be perfect. And here's what happened. It didn't work out. It didn't. So we needed a savior. We needed something that was pure. We needed someone who was pure, and it was Jesus. So Jesus came, he gave his life, and he allows us to live under this rhythm of grace. So listen, when you show up today and you're like, man, I screwed up last night, there's grace. When you show up tomorrow to work and you're like, dude, church was lit, you have grace for that, okay? When you show up anywhere you go, there is grace for your life. God loves you. He cares for you. He wants what's best for you. And sometimes what's best for you is not what you think is best for you. He wants what's best for you. There's nothing you can do that'll make him love you more. There's nothing you can do that'll make him love you less. He loves you. And if you're a parent in here, man, you should parent that way. There's nothing you can do to make your kid, make you love your kid more or less. You love them. If you don't have children here, and maybe you are, um, maybe you had a, a rough childhood and you don't have a father figure or a mother in your life and the way that you look at God is not the correct way. I'll tell you, he loves you just the way you are. So there are two things that I want you to know when it comes to being symphonically complete and walking in the rhythm of grace. And here's how you get God's grace. Number one, getting God's grace helps you work it. It helps you work grace. Listen, who you are becoming is more important than what you are doing. Here's what we think. I got to do more. I got to do more. I got to do more. If I do this, if I give more, if I show up, if I do this, then if I do all these things, then I'll get closer to God and he will love me more. Not true. Who you're becoming is way more important than what you're doing. I always say that the who is more important than the do. Who you are is also super important in your life. And it's not even just about who you are. It's whose you are. You're God's. Did you know that the Bible says that you are created for good works? You are his workmanship, okay? You know what that means? That you're a masterpiece. You know, there's only two times that God lists that we are his workmanship, that we are masterpieces, that we are created to do good things. And here's what masterpieces are, okay? You ready? They're rare. You ever seen Van Gogh? Like they try to make duplicates of it, they can't. It's rare. You ever seen any, a masterpiece is its own and you are one. God created you to do good things on this earth. And so who you are is way more important than what you do. God is using what you're doing to develop who you're becoming. You become who you are and you're supposed to become so you can do what you're supposed to do. You become who you are so you can do what you're supposed to do. And here's the deal. Some of us, we go to church and we think if I give more, God will love me more. 
Not true. Some of us, we come to church and we think, well, I went three times this month. Surely I'm closer to God. Maybe. But it's simply not true that showing up and coming to church and checking the list and reading the Bible doesn't make you, doesn't make God love you more. It's not a reward system. He loves you. Some of you look at other people who love God and you think, how can I live like they do? You can't. You wanna know why? Because you're you, specifically made to do great things for God. And I'm impatient, man. Like, and I open up the Bible sometimes. I was just sharing this morning about my ADD. Sometimes I'm like, here, here, here. I have to like rein it in. Like, just rein it in, Mitch. Like, focus. And I get impatient. I'm impatient all the time. I'm really impatient at Walmart. Nobody works there. I'm just like, where's the check? I go to the self-checkout all the time. I'm really impatient. It's been a struggle my whole life. I get impatient on the highway. I get impatient everywhere I go. And here's what John 14, 15 says. It says, if you love me, you'll, be, you'll obey what I command. And here's, all, here's, here's the commandments in the New Testament, okay? The New Testament is based on these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And here's the deal. I know you love yourself. I follow you on Instagram. Everybody loves himself. But if you'll love God and you'll love others just like you love yourself, you'll fulfill all the commandments in themselves. The second thing that I want you to know is that when you give it, others get it. When you give grace, others get grace. When you give, others get. When you, this morning, walked in Starbucks, opened the door for the guy. He's like, oh, thanks so much. And then when he walked in, he's like, hey, you go ahead and go first and get in line in front of me. When you give grace, others get it. And then they give it back to you. When you give grace, people get it. I want my daughter to grow up and love me, but I can't make Jesus love me anymore. I want my daughter to grow up and love me. I want her to love the church. I want her to love everything that we do. But I have to walk this pattern of grace and say, hey, that's not right. This isn't good. That's good. That's great. And I have to have some grace. My kid runs around here like a wild person after church. You wanna know why? Because she's been here since seven. She's like, I'm tired. I wanna have fun. I wanna, yeah. So in my church, you can run. Like, you can wear a hat. I don't care. Because at the end of the day, we are not going to build, we're not gonna make rules to keep people far from God. If we are going to unite people far from God, we're going to have to break down this rule system and say there is a grace system. And that doesn't mean that we have to allow everything, but there is a grace that God put on every single person to do his works in this earth or on this earth. I want her to grow up and be confident. I want her to grow up and know that God loves her just the way she is. I want her to know that when she comes to church that she doesn't have to have it all together. Listen, listen. If you don't have it all together today, it's okay. If church is not the place for you to not be okay, then we're doing it wrong. 
So many of us, we show up and we put our Christian mask on. And we walk into church, and we're like, hey, how's it going? It's a great day. God's amazing. So many of us, we show up and we're like, man, that song is just so great. Pastor's pretty average. I love what's going on here. We walk out the door. We take off our mask and we say, God, we're so lonely. God, I just don't have it together. God, I just don't know where things are gonna come from. I don't know how my marriage is gonna work out. I don't know where we're gonna be financially at the end of the month. God, I don't know what's going to happen if this thing doesn't happen in my life. And we spend our lives leaving the church pretending like we have it all together. When God says, listen, you don't have to have it all together because I do. I have it all together. And I can mend all the broken pieces and the junk in your life if you'll just give them to me. Because you can't get closer to me by coming to church. You can't can't get closer to me by reading the Bible more. You can't get closer to me by praying more. Listen, I love you for who you are. And that's what it means to have grace in your life. Grace is something that's not from works, but it's something for you to work. You need to work grace in your life. You need to work on loving people that you don't naturally love. Because when you give others grace, they get it. You know, I've had the hardest time with this as a pastor. I like for things to be done well. I like for them to be done with excellence. I like for things to, to be put together when it comes to our church. And I've had to learn this one thing, is that I don't know what somebody experienced last night before they came in the doors of this place. And I can get really upset when things don't go the right way or when a sound gives feedback and it goes like I did this morning. And I'm in that back hallway and I'm like, what's happening in there? What's going on? Why is that? Our people are not gonna like that and they're not gonna show up. And I start thinking these things and here's the reality. There's grace for sound mistakes. There's grace for musical mistakes. There's grace for mistakes that are made in our church service and there's grace for mistakes that are made outside of our church services. When you give it, others get it. And some of you have been trying to work your way to God your entire life. 1 John 4, 19 says that God loved you first while you were still sinners. Christ died for you. Christ loved you first. You didn't love him first. You're a sinner in need of a savior.